everybody. Welcome back to the 25-8 Sportscast. I'm your host, Tommy Fink, where we one-take this show 25-8, 25 hours a day, eight days a week. It's one take, baby. Here's my co-host, Jet Rosenstein. Jet, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Happy to be on board for another episode. I'm doing better than I was in this previous rendition of uh, our latest episode. Can't remember the number off the top of my head, but I'm sure it'll come to me as the episode goes on. You flip your Thank phone. You. If you flip your phone sideways, you'll see the one and only Jimmy Jordan on your screen. Jimmy Butler, if you don't know the nickname that I'm referring to there, uh, that's a man that is ready to come back and save the Miami Heat franchise from another early playoff exit. Um, but we'll get into that in a little bit because I have a I I have a great episode planned. I kind of. <laughs> structured the formatting of this show delivered it to my co-host tommy and off we go are you excited for this episode tommy no i'm very excited and i'm excited to see the miami heat beat the new york knicks in seven games and then losing four in the sequential series to come after that one for the miami heat excited interesting no it's an interesting perspective a little bit of biased perspective but um yeah Um, it's um well we'll see we'll see I'll definitely hold that being accountable if 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 I, if I need to. Uh, but you first, are. first off, well, I'll, I'll I'll lay the framework for the show as Tommy always does before each episode. Uh, we're gonna do a little stat of the day pertaining to the NBA playoffs. Bring a, a fan favorite stat of the day that I got a lot of good reviews in in my DM, so we, we brought it back for another episode. Uh, we'll we'll continue the NBA talk with some playoffs update. Some awards have been finalized. I disagree with some of the outcomes, but I know Tommy will have his counterpoints for that. And then we'll do a little bit of hold that man accountable, where we revisit uh, something that we've all said or a prediction we made. This has to do with the NFL draft. We did a consensus mock draft on the last episode. We'll see how that ended up working out. And in addition, we'll talk about the draft a little bit more. One winner, one loser each of us have. Um, It could be a player. It could be a team. And then we'll talk about some MLB. We'll review the month of April, the most surprising and disappointing player and team. And then finally, or maybe not finally, it could could appear at any point throughout this show. We're introducing a video of the day. So you have to stay tuned to see what that's all about. But Tommy, you ready for my stat of the day? I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat, Joe. I'm oh, hanging by my balls. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. As I was saying, I got a lot of DMs saying that you know, the fans really love this segment, so I brought it back. We're looking at NBA lineups so far in these playoffs and the plus minuses produced from these lineups throughout the NBA playoffs. And this is through the course of the first round and the first several games in the second round, the best lineups so far in these playoffs I'll, I'll turn it over to you tommy who do you think has the best lineup so far you could say the team the best lineup in terms of plus or minus so far in the playoffs plus minus yeah probably the nuggets the nuggets are third do you have another okay. guess um sixers should be up there as well just because they haven't lost yet sixers are 10th 
Really? Yes, and and I'll, I'll that's so, crazy. Actually, so the 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 Sixers' best lineup so far in these playoffs is a lineup that consists of Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris. Oh, Curtis, I Maxine. forgot it's the I forgot it's the five on the court, not like yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's, okay. it's the five on the court. It's which, which combo okay. of five players produces the best possible okay. plus minus. So Boston has to have a lineup up there. Boston's best lineup is sixteenth. Really? Yeah. So I'm assuming we got some Miami Heat up around the top. No, well, the, the best Miami Heat lineup is six. I'll give you the best one. The best the best lineup so far in these playoffs, the Los Angeles Lakers, Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. LeBron James, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, and Jared Vanderbilt. That wasn't one of your guesses. Does this surprise you at all? It does surprise me, and it surprised me that Hachimura is not on there either, Jeff. Is, it, it doesn't surprise me in the sense that, you know, I knew this team all along. No one in the West could stop Anthony Davis in the first two rounds. Um, but but as far other than that, it's a surprise to me. I, I, well, I the, the Lakers' second best lineup, which is fifth overall, has Rui Hachimura instead of Jared okay. Vanderbilt in it. So the Lakers have two top lineups within the top five. The second best lineup is the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Kevon mm-hmm. Looney, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins. Obviously, no Jordan Poole in that in that lineup there. That that's a little bit telling as well. Third, the Nuggets, Bruce Brown, KCP, Aaron Gordon, um, Michael Porter, and Jeff Green. And fourth is DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, Torrey Craig. Kevin Durant and Chris Paul already said the fifth one is is the Lakers one with Rui Hachimura. Any lineup? I know you mentioned that you were surprised that the Celtics or 76ers aren't up there. Um, anything else about that top five stand out to you? Um, yeah, I mean, like like I said, obviously the Sixers was surprising, but it was more surprising because I was thinking of it of a perspective of like, okay, they have no minus because they haven't lost yet. I was for some reason looking at as team by team. Um but again, I'm surprised that there's not a Celtics lineup up there. You know, one with like Robert Williams, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Al Horford. Al Horford's been bad. Maybe that has to do with it. But yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm looking I'm at the 16th is the best. The top two Celtics lineups don't have any Robert Williams. The top Celtics lineup has a plus 14, uh, plus minus Malcolm Brogdon, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Marcus Smart. Jason Tatum, that ranks 16th among all possible lineups throughout the playoffs so far. Hmm. No, that is surprising. A lot of low-seeded teams up in the top. Yeah, definitely. And I want to flip this flip this around and talk about the bottom lineups. And I'm not going to talk about any of the eliminated, eliminated teams, even though that, that pretty much makes up the, the whole list here. A lot of Hawks, a lot of Grizzlies with Devin, uh, Dylan Brooks, a lot of Clippers. <laughs> Uh, but the worst, it's actually pretty interesting. The worst lineup with uh, for a team that's currently still in the playoffs is also the Lakers. Anthony Davis, wow. LeBron James, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, and the difference is Dennis Schroeder is the difference it's in the, the Lakers having a strong lineup as opposed to a weak lineup. Minus 16 in 23 minutes played this lineup. Over six games. Schroeder's been playing well, too, relatively, no? I, I For me, it probably comes down to the 
opposition who they have coming up against Dennis Schroeder in these types of matchups because based yeah. off the looks of it, um, they are allowing a bunch of three-pointers with this lineup on the court and not making many. So I, I think maybe that has something to do. Maybe maybe not as much length, possibly, um, but Lakers are the worst lineup among remaining playoff teams. The second is this one hurts, but there's only it's a small sample size. The Miami Heat with a lineup of Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Victor Oladipo, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent. That's only that's Makes a small sense. it's a small sample size. It was only one game played, three minutes. This lineup was absolutely awful against the game against the Bucks when this lineup was used. Obviously, Victor Oladipo out, uh, but that lineup is second worst among active playoff teams. The three, four, and five Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors again, and then the Miami Heat. So two two more Warriors lineups, and then another Miami Heat lineup. Interesting that the Warriors have so many bad bad lineups. Uh, two one well, of them Poole is not... has looked bad. What? Pool has looked horrendous. Yeah, so far that's true. Um, that that's yeah. Both Vincenzo hasn't been good. Well, that's, that's, that's funny to say. Both of the lineups that are in the bottom five have Dante DiVincenzo and Jordan Poole. No Steph Curry, yeah. which which obviously makes sense. Right. Um, but, yeah, top five, bottom five. By the end of the plot, let's make a prediction here so we can hold that main accountable. Which, you could just say the team. You don't have to say the actual lineup. Which team, in terms of plus minus, will have the strongest lineup and overall, over the course of the playoffs, would have the weakest lineup in terms of plus minus? You can you can you could say that one of the eliminated teams would have that too, based off of if nothing else changes. Uh weakest lineup has to go. Let's go strongest lineup. I think it's gonna end up being I think it's gonna end up being Denver. Okay. Weakest lineup, I'm gonna say. I mean, if I can include anybody else, well, say the Hawks. Well, yeah, so just for context, right now the weakest lineup overall is the Hawks. Clint Capella, yeah. John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, minus 32 in 86 minutes played. That's so, their starters, too. That's their starters, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah, they, I mean, if I can pick anyone, Hawks bottom. But if it's teams that are still alive currently, I'll say the worst lineup comes from a – truthfully, I think it's going to be a Phoenix Sun lineup. Okay. Chris Paul out, and when they get to that bench, it's it's a little rough. Okay. We'll have to see. We'll definitely hold that man accountable if we need to. Oh, hold me accountable, but you won't have to. <laughs> All right, NBA playoffs update. Obviously, as we are recording on this lovely Wednesday afternoon, we are fully immersed in round two of these playoffs. Uh, tonight, on Wednesday, we will see the 76ers and Boston Celtics play game two of their series. Joel Embiid coming back now as the official MVP of this season. Uh, Tommy, what are you looking forward to about Joel Embiid coming back to this team, considering that they were able to take care of business in game one? I think the biggest thing that I'm looking for, honestly, is going to be, you know, just, just an absolute roof-collapsing dunk where he grazes that brand new Rolex across the rim. <laughs> he shatters the glass and he breaks Jason Tatum's leg uh, on the come down. And that's what we're looking at. That's what I'm looking for in game two. Okay. Do you think that 
Do you think James Harden's um in terms of his numbers are gonna suffer at all with Joel Embiid's return? Do you think? Yes. Okay. How how much? I mean, I, it depends. It depends what you mean by suffer because James Harden has had this ability, you know, his whole tenure in Philadelphia. I'm not too sure why people are shocked by a 45 point James Harden game. You know, maybe maybe I'm dealing with some casuals here. I'm not shocked by it because he's been doing this. Just turn the clock back a couple of years. Look at his career. Um, you know, look at the double teams he faced and he was still able to drop 45, hitting some of the most clutch shots I've seen so far in this year's playoffs. Look at that big shot over the the long, long body, long outstretched hand of Al Horford to sure. put us up. And and that's a 17 second left in the game type three pointer from deep too. You know, it's, he's not scraping the line with his toes. He's deep over a big man, big three, got us total from 42 to 45. And, but, but here's what I'm looking at. Embiid comes back. Embiid is going to be a complete enforcer down below. We're not going to see Jason Tatum, Malcolm Brogdon. We're going to see a bunch of running dunks that were just completely free. Um, and then James Harden's going to get back to probably his facilitating game a bit more now that Embiid's back. So I'm going to, I'm going to say tonight's game, Wednesday night's game, game two of the series, I'm going to call James Harden. I'm going to call an 18-point, four-rebound, 14-assist night for James Harden. Okay. And re- really quick, put your biases aside for your analysis here for the Boston Celtics, considering they really, really need to win this game if they want to ensure they have a shot with the series moving to Philadelphia after. What has to change for the Celtics in this game with Joel Embiid coming back if they want to make sure they secure at least one of these victories at home? Yeah, and, and like you said, this is a huge game. I mean, this is like this is the kind of game where it's like Celtics better win or they're seriously in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um I, I, they didn't play bad. They they shot extremely well, um, but we we just shot extremely well too. You know, it was kind of an unfortunate thing. I think the Celtics did enough to win that game. I just think we need to see more intensity maybe from that team on the defensive side because it seemed like at, at points it was like, why is Tyrese Maxey constantly open? Or why is, you know, like George Niang constantly open? Why is – you know, if Embiid comes in the lineup, are they going to be even more open or are they going to take us more serious and play more, you know, one-on-one defense? I, th- I think my guess is that tonight we see them come out into a 2-3 zone. I don't think they're going to be playing man to start, and I think it's going to be more of like Harden's going to be dancing around the perimeter, Embiid's going to be around the paint, and they're going to try and get as many bodies to both of those guys as they possibly can. So I think Tyrese Maxey, if they want to win tonight, needs to have a huge game. Okay, yeah, for me, um, I think it'll definitely be an entertaining one. I think the Celtics take care of business because, you know, they have to. We saw the Knicks take care of business because they had to. It's very tough for teams to be able to take both games on the road to start. Um, I, I, I like the Celtics. Even with Embiid coming back, I think we, may, we might see some rust early on. Um, overall, it, it looks like the 76ers may be the better team in this series. We'll have to see if that continues. It'll, it'll, you know, James Harden will need to consistently play well throughout this series. You know, I think, I think James Harden is the X factor for the 76ers in this series. Tyrus Maxey has played at a high level all playoffs. Joel Embiid, you know what you're getting, but if James Harden can keep this up and, and start, um, you know, stop buying Rolexes and start, you know, start buying cones to practice some drills on the court. Uh, that would be that would be preferred, definitely. Uh, next series, I want to talk. Go ahead, if you were going to. It's just it, you know, it's it's tough to beat a team. You know, I'm not going to trash the Celtics here. It is extremely, extremely, extremely difficult 
to beat a team when they have two active Hall of Famers on their roster, um, and Joel Embiid and James Harden, and then a future Hall of Famer in Tyree Smacks, it's tough. I mean, you don't Tobias Harris, French Hall of Famer. It's tough, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys in this roster that you, you got to worry about. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about teams with future Hall of Famers. He'd have a bunch as well uh, with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Kyle Lowry. So, ah, you know, it's, I get what you mean. I know what you mean about trying to beat future Hall of Famers. It's not an easy task, no doubt about it. Um, next series I want to talk about, another series that just played its first game a night ago. The Lakers and Warriors will kick off their second game of the series with the Lakers taking care of business in game one. One of the big things coming out of that game, and this was vocalized by Draymond Green, was the Lakers' ability to keep LeBron off ball, kind of use Austin Reeves to be that primary ball carrier. And for the Warriors, it was a different look than they had seen, or really a bunch of teams have seen all season. It kind of kind of threw them off with LeBron playing from a different spot than it really has his whole career for uh, So for the Warriors, besides that one adjustment, in terms of whether it's maybe a lineup change or maybe just, you know, play in general, um, what has to go right for the Warriors in game two? If they, again, this is a team that needs to ensure they secure the, the win at home while they can. I think this team just needs to go back to its roots, um, and that's shooting and defense. And we didn't see much of the defensive side from them in game one. A lot of free scoring, it seemed like, from the Lakers. A lot of points in transition and a lot of things that, you know, just just care with the ball in your hands can change. If you can maximize your possession, sometimes a lot of people say the best offense is defense. A lot of time it can be true, vice versa. Sometimes the best defense is a good offense. If you can hold the ball for 20 seconds and come away with points, you know, two out of every three possessions, boom, you win the game. I think it's a very simple game. And with a team that is super, super, you know, just gelled together, they're set, they're ready, they've made their runs. For a team that that has the experience and has the talent and has the skill, I just think they need to simplify the game, you know, score two out of every three possessions and hold the ball and keep the ball in Steph Curry. Would you rather have the ball in Steph Curry's hands or LeBron James' hands if you're a Golden State Warrior fan? Let's keep it in uh, Steph Curry's hands yeah. as long as possible. Let's Let's hold the ball in our possessions. Every single every single drive doesn't need to be, you know, transition threes. And that, that's not a way to win unless you're knocking them down. Live by the long ball, die by the long ball. Same for the dunk, same for the three-pointer. Yeah. No, that, you gotta, that was you well stretch said. out your game. Definitely. I mean, the, the Golden State Warriors are six-point favorites right now on Thursday night at 9 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, very difficult for the road team, even with it being the Lakers and LeBron and AD and all their success in the playoffs in years past. Very difficult to take the first two on the road. I think the Warriors even it up here. Um, we're not going to talk in as much in depth about the other two series, even though they're a little bit farther along. But really, j- just just a quick, you know, quick thing on the Nuggets and Suns. Do you think this series is over with the Nuggets leading 2-0 and Chris no. Paul's status in, in jeopardy? Well, I mean, I, I again, with Chris Paul, we got to wait to see. But if Chris Paul can go, and if he can go game three, I don't think the series is over by any stretch, truthfully. I still think I, – I mean, you can't cap, count out KD, Chris Paul, Devin Booker all on the same sideline um, at any point, unless it's 3-0 and an injured player. You know, 2-0, Chris Paul still might play. I think I think it's very, very far away from being over. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't think it's over, but I think the Nuggets are well on their way to winning this series, obviously evident by their, their 2-0 lead so far, but they just don't look like that same team that has kind of choked in playoffs in years past. Jamal Murray looks is resembling that bubble player that he was several years back. Obviously, Jokic, the snub for MVP, playing extremely well, as he should be. Um, he did yeah. snub. Uh, no, he did. Uh, final series. Well, what makes you say that? I'd like to know. I mean, he had he had an historic he had an historical season joining historical company. I just don't I just don't I just don't. Well, think... what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? <laughs> well, how did he? What historical season joining what historical company? No, I mean we we talked about it on on our previous episode with him. I know I know he didn't get I didn't know I know he didn't get to the official triple double mark, but no, he was extremely he close to joining that company. Um. People just didn't want to see him. People wanted a new face. I applaud John being and what he's done all season no. long, but um, that's a ridiculous argument, Jed. You know, that's fine. That's and, fine. Uh, that's why. That's why. No, that's why uh, I see the face touching going on. You know what you're saying is not right, so it's all good. Um, I'll Final take series. Final series. Heat Knicks tied at one. Um, not much for me to say about this series. I'm just excited for it to transfer over back to Miami. Um, it, it it should be very interesting to see if Jimmy Butler returns, how he how he plays, how the ankle is. Obviously, that's a huge storyline with this series. For me, I think this series is going to end up going the distance back and forth. Uh, both teams are very, very similar. And you, you see, you know, both of these games have been decided in the, in the last five minutes. And no matter what happens up until that point, nothing is over. Uh, both of these teams fight until the end. Um, still think the Heat are going to come out on top. Based on this photo right here, Jimmy Butler is is ready to go for game three, and he's not having anything else but playing um any any um any things you want to poke fun at in, in regards to the heat, because I know that's usually what you have to say. No, nothing to poke fun at. I think it's been a good series so far. I think the teams have shown that they're evenly matched. Uh both teams won game without their best player, and both teams came away with a loss without their best player. So I think it's pretty evident. I think we both expected the outcomes of both games so far. Um, going back into Miami, I think the Heat go up 3-1 here. I don't see a seven-game series at all. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is pending Jimmy Butler being healthy for game three, game four, et cetera. But as it stands, if Jimmy Butler goes game three, I think this is a six-game series max. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to hold that man accountable because I remember you saying, oh, game series going seven and then 76ers and four. So I'm holding that man accountable on the same episode. Um, yeah, I said I said heat and six just now. Before, before in our uh, in our intro. Remember the, the line you recited to our audience? Uh, OK, I do remember that. I'm just holding no, that man accountable. Down. And speaking of holding that that man accountable, um, we're going to hold us, we are the mains in this situation, accountable (laughs) with the NFL draft. Tommy, talk about our our picks for the NFL mock draft, our top 10 picks, and what actually happened in the NFL draft. Yeah, so a lot went away from what people were expecting, and it's hard, it's very hard to get a mock draft correct when there's trades littered through the top 10. Top 10 is usually supposed to be stable, um, at least the top five, six, but that's not what we saw here. We saw a couple of draft night trades through the top 10. Um, first, Firstly, starting with Houston trading into the three spot with the Arizona Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals trading up to six, 
and uh, what else happened? Chicago traded down, Philly traded up, and Atlanta made the worst draft pick of all time. A lot happened. A lot happened that we couldn't predict. But here's what we were looking at uh, previous to draft night. We had Carolina taking Bryce Young. We got that. We had Houston taking C.J. Stroud. We got that. We had Arizona taking Tyree Wilson. We did not get that. Tyree Wilson ended up going seven to the Las Vegas Raiders. That ended up being Will Anderson. Houston traded up to the three. We took Indy going AR-15, Anthony Richardson. We got that correct. Will Anderson we had going five. That ended up being Devin Witherspoon. That was a bit of a reach on a corner that early from Seattle. Kind of a surprising pick after the absolute emergence of Tariq Woolen last year. Uh, Surprising pick by Seattle. Then we had Detroit taking Devin Witherspoon at six. Ended up trading that pick away to the Arizona Cardinals. That ended up being Paris Johnson Jr., the offensive tackle. I think that's a great pick. I think they definitely needed that. Um, They needed to build from the ground up there, and that's what they're starting to do. Seven, we had Will Levis going to the Raiders. That ended up being Tyree Wilson, which I already mentioned. Eight, Atlanta, we had taking Jalen Carter. That would have – who, by the way, was available at eight. Yeah. He was available at eight, and they passed this up. They ended up taking Bijan Robinson because they have so much talent everywhere that they can waste an eighth overall pick on a running back when their fifth rounder from 2022 was a 1,000-yard rusher when he split the backfield and he only played like 14 games. Really stupid pick. I can't believe the stupidity. Nine, we had Paris Johnson going to Chicago. That ended up being Jalen Carter. Um, and then Chicago ended up trading into the 10 with Philly, and they took Darnell Wright. We had that being Jackson Smith and the Jigba. We, had, we thought maybe the Stroud and the Jigba connection from Ohio State would carry into the NFL. All in all, I don't think we did bad. I think we got a lot of the names right. Yeah. Um, there's just so many trades. You can't really – you can't predict that many trades. There was a lot going on in the top 10. It was a very entertaining draft night, by the way. Oh, yeah. I sat down and watched every every second of the first round. It was a very entertaining night. Do you agree? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we had the first player from – this was, I thought, really surprising. The first player from the University of Alabama selected first overall since, I believe, Joe Namath several – like. I think 50 so years, 50 years ago, um, it could be a little bit more than that, but Bryce Young obviously being from Alabama and then um, we'll we'll get to the winners and losers in in a little bit, but you know, there, there were some interesting moves up and down the board, obviously teams that maybe didn't really need that position. They ended up taking it because maybe they had that player as the best player available. I think that's what a lot of teams did, but you know, a bunch of teams got better in the draft. Obviously time will tell how these picks are going to work out. One thing interesting on the top 10, but we saw a wide receiver run from 20 to 24. Uh, JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnson, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison. You see, you see a lot of that in, in fantasy football drafts. One guy takes a receiver and then everyone else panics and takes a receiver yeah. right after that. I think that's a little bit of what we saw in this draft here. Um, but let's get into our, our winners and losers. Tommy, do you have a, a winner for this draft, whether it's a player or a team? I, I don't have a winner, whether it's a player or a team. I have a winner, out, a winner outside of those boundaries, Jet. Okay. For, my, for me, the winner in the 2023 NFL draft is the fantasy football community, Jet. Really? Yeah. I mean, look at who we saw drafted. We saw three quarterbacks with the ability to score highly in fantasy drafted in the top four. 
and Stroud, Young, and Richardson. We saw running backs go at 8 and 12. Bijan Robinson called the best running back in the class or in any class in super long. Saquon comps, Jonathan Taylor, second-year comps, you know, a lot of things going on there. Jameer Gibbs went 12 to the Lions. We saw, as you mentioned, a wide receiver run in the first round. And a lot of tight ends. This is a very tight end, heavy, talented class. Michael Mayer, along with a number of other names. And I think the fantasy football community as a whole saw a lot more little little toys to play with coming into this draft. Interesting. Interesting way to look at it. I think if you're looking at it from a dynasty fantasy football perspective, I think you can say the fantasy football community are losers in this scenario when you look at situations like Bijan Robinson taking Tyler Algier's, Algier's job. Jameer Gibbs taking over now for not only DeAndre Swift, who's gone, but also for uh, David Montgomery. You could look at down, down the list for, for wide receivers. JSN could infringe on DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett's targets. Quinn Johnson can infringe on Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Dalton Kincaid can infringe on Dawson Knox. So there's looks like there's some guys that could be after some jobs in the coming years if it's not this year. But you know, yeah, I think you look at it both ways. There's a lot of talent now in 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 flu, um included now in, in the upcoming draft, which is exciting. But if you're a dynasty manager, depending on who you have, obviously it is it could be a cause for concern as well. Very true, Jet. Who's your my, winner? My winner, we talked about them a little bit, but I I I really do like what the Seattle Seahawks did in this draft. And I know it was a bit a bit of a questionable pick at number five with Devin Witherspoon. But let's not forget that the Seattle Seahawks pride themselves on building that secondary. We saw it with the Legion of Boom. Obviously, they, they've never had unbelievable players in terms of edge rushers and on the line, on the defensive line. Uh, but they pride themselves on a, good, a strong secondary. And the luxury they have now is to put Tariq Willen as your cornerback, too, and potentially Devin Witherspoon as your as your CB1 as time goes on. Devin Witherspoon, obviously the better prospect. We'll see who ends up being the best player. Uh, but then on top of that, they added another offensive weapon, like we said, in Jack Jackson Smith and Jigba. If Tyler Lockett somehow ages out, you have an unbelievable duo with DK Metcalf and JSN. And then if Tyler Lockett still maintains his play, I think that's one of the best wide receiver cores in the National Football League. And then on top of that, another offensive weapon to complement your rookie running back from last year and kind of Walker, uh, Zach Charbonnet, who was going to complement that backfield extremely well. I know they do a lot of the same things, but we know in this day and in, in this day and age in the NFL, there are not many workhorse running backs out there with Ken Walker's injury concerns. Um, this one-two punch is going to be exciting. Give Geno Smith some additional weapons. Um, I really thought the Seahawks did a nice job in this draft going to be incredible practices between Witherspoon and Woolen versus yeah. Metcalf and Jigba Lockett. Oh, yeah. I think that's going to be crazy to watch. I think people up in the Seattle area are going to get a kick out of that at the practice facility. Yes. Uh, and when they start OTAs and things like that, I think there's going to be so much hype coming out of the Seattle. Seattle's OTAs are going to be so hyped up. I can already tell. And it just, it feels like they're going to be one of these teams that people pick to win. Like, I don't know, like, 13 games you know like this team is really good Colin Cowherd just did a show he had Seattle as the third best team in the NFC I don't know if I'm there yet Jed I don't know if I'm there yet I mean I, I think 
I mean, they first have to they have to get back past the 49ers in their own division first, which is, is right. still not going to be easy, but I think they can definitely give them the run for their money. That high in the NFC, it's definitely a good I'm argument. Still, I'm still taking – I'm probably going to take the Giants. I'm going to yeah. take the Cowboys because obviously they had Eagles and, and Niners one too. Right. I'm taking, I'm taking Eagles – or I'm taking Cowboys. I'm taking Giants. And I, I'm throwing around the Lions too. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think – I'm torn. I mean, I, I think you can make an argument for the Seahawks over the Giants, but the Seahawks defense, I mean, the line is still a major concern. They could have upgraded, obviously, yeah. the draft, but they chose not to. It'll be interesting. Obviously, AFC is totally different story than the NFC. I think the Seahawks wouldn't even be in consideration no. to make yeah, the they'd playoffs. Be like a, yeah, they'd, be, they'd probably be like a, a Patriots in the AFC. Yeah, exactly. First loser. In the NFL, my only loser, I don't know if there's, there's multiple losers, but I'm only going to reference one, one big one that stood out to me. And this might be surprising to some out there, but the Houston Texans are my loser for this draft. It is really? not because of the players that they picked. I think C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson Jr. are going to be unbelievable picks, but it comes down to two things for me. First off, they traded away their 2024 first-round pick to the Arizona Cardinals who are not projected to have the top two picks in next year's draft. You don't do that. If you're a team that has several, several holes along right. around your roster as that Texans do. So that is something they're going to miss out on. Cause there's someone like a Marvin Harrison jr. At the top of that, or take another reroll on, on a quarterback if CJ Stroud doesn't prove to be that guy. So I think the Texans missed the mark there. In addition there are several reports that the owner and front office wanted a different player at number two than what the coach wanted at number two. Hence why you see CJ Stroud being the pick that ownership and the front office wanted to solidify the quarterback spot, but their head coach, D'Amico Ryans, being the defensive minded guy he is, wanted Will Anderson, hence why they had to trade up in the first place for this pick. We know the Texans are a dysfunctional organization to begin with. It starts with the top with their owner. Uh, nothing changed in this draft here. They got two quality players, but there's still so many holes to fill, and the Texans are still have a while to go before we even consider them to be in contention. Who's who's your loser in this draft? If you well, have, I don't know. I do have a loser actually, and my loser is Ryan Tannehill. Jeff. Okay, it's clear they're trying to move off this guy. Got him early in the second round, and, you know, this is back-to-back drafts that the Titans are taking quarterback in the second round. Two talents that fell. Um, they're, they're clearly trying to move off Tannehill. They're trying to turn him into a, a mentor-type quarterback, a Joe Flacco-type quarterback. And uh, we'll, we'll see if he lets it happen. We'll see if he plays into it. That's my loser, Jeff. Awesome. No, that's that's a good one there. Um, one other thing. While Thanks. we're on this topic, it's, it's only fitting – that we get to a brand new segment on this show. We're going to do a little bit what I like to call video of the day. Drum roll, please. Basically, what's going to go down here, whenever whenever I'm given the opportunity to plan a show like I was in this episode, we're going to show a video. It could be something that was recently going on in the sports world. Good, bad, funny, not funny, sad, scary. Whatever, uh, whatever emotion you could possibly think of, yeah, and any any, any any anything you can think of. This video, which I like a lot, and actually led me to drafting this guy 
in a Dynasty Fantasy Rookie Draft uh, several days ago. Let me share my screen so you guys can flip that phone sideways and see what I'm talking about. On my screen, you're about to watch a video of Jalen Hyatt, who was drafted to the New York Giants. And in this video, you'll see him talking to the one of the coaches or one of the scouts with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, basically, the summary of this video, the coach didn't really believe what he was about to show him at his tryout and kind of proved him wrong with his route running ability and playmaking ability. Showed off his confidence as well while talking with him. And here is our video of the day. You know what you are. Right? Oh my you, you know what you are. What's that? I'm saying, like, you have a skill set, right? That's what's that, what's that skill set? Huh? What's the skill set? It's your, it's your speed. Oh, okay. well, I can run right? a We're about to see. We will see. Right? We're about to you. see. I got you. too that last ball but nevertheless nonetheless however you want to put it Jalen Hyatt made his play made the plays at his workout for Tennessee for all NFL teams to see and the New York Giants drafted him and I believe the third round and for the Giants who have no weapons whatsoever bringing a guy that's a serious that's a they have no. weapons now well, I, I, I'm saying that the wide you're receiver room. The no, wide receiver room. Forgetting about. Here's who you're forgetting about. Uh, I know who you're going to say. I know you're going to hey, say. Who, 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 who. The, the Isaiah Hodgins guy. Hey, no. You're who? forgetting about someone. Wondale Robinson. But he's coming off of an ACL injury. I get that. You can't just. I, I'm just not. But when you look at John, the Giants weapons. When you look at the Giants' weapons compared to other NFL teams, they're still lacking. And now you bring in someone that is not only a deep threat, but as you see in this video, someone that can run routes. I need to be a linebacker to cover this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And with this video, I actually made the selection of taking Jalen Hyatt at the end of a second round in a dynasty rookie wow. draft. Because of the opportunity. Round. He fell that late. Yeah. Because of, of the opportunity that he now has, I think, with – and, and again, Daniel Jones had an outstanding year, and this only is going to help him progress as a player, having someone that can stretch the field. The Giants don't have that on the roster. That was kind of where I was going at. They don't have someone that could stretch the field like Jalen Hyde can. Um, I Jalen Hyde's my favorite pick right now in terms of wide receivers in Dynasty Fantasy Football, so go get him if you're drafting anytime soon. Out of everybody. Well, value, in terms of value. Oh, okay. No, I mean, I think I think Hyatt, Wandale, and, and Hodgins is going to be a serious trio. And then they still have guys. They still have the depth. I mean, they still have uh, Slayton. Yeah. 
they still have they still have Shepard too, don't? Yeah, I mean, but I don't these are all guys play. that can't stay healthy, have had yeah, production problems. I mean, Waddle's coming off of injury. Like Isaiah Hodgins, we don't know if this like he was never expected to do this to begin with. We don't know oh. if he's going to be able to keep it up. Obviously, Darren no, Waller is a nice guy. You're forgetting you're forgetting Dable and and whoever the GM. I can't say Joe's last name, the GM of the Giants. Shown is it Shane? Shohen. Yeah. Shohen. Dable and Shohen drafted this guy with Buffalo. That's something that you're forgetting. This is a guy that they like. They want him. Um, so I I think But they don't they don't draft another wide receiver if they're just fine with who they have. No, I'm not saying they're fine with who they have. But I'm hoping for a Wandale emergence. I, I think he's a good player. He was highly drafted. As I already mentioned, and then no, I looked good. That was that was very good video, very interesting. He looked good. He looked quick, uh, even through the lag. He looked good. So. <laughs> Sorry to everyone that had to turn their phone and it was wondering what the hell's going on with my screen, but nonetheless, that is our first video of the day. Tommy, you ready for some MLB talk? I'm ready for some MLB talk, but do you mind if I hold that main accountable real quick? Yeah. Hey. Uh, let me go on ahead. Let me go ahead and hold that main accountable just, just for a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So three weeks ago to the day, Jet, three weeks ago, really to the to the hour, you know, we had a buy sell stock segment. Yeah. And you did not you did not fare too well with your choices here. No. Um three weeks ago, I said you want to buy or sell Alec Bohm at eight dollars and forty seven cents. This is three weeks ago. You said you want to buy. Again, not a bad pick. He slowed his play since then. I think he bought kind of at a at a at a peak. Alec Bohm was sitting 330, three homers, four homers. He was he was playing really well that to start the year. Yeah. That's I mean, but that's understandable. You know, you, you get on the hype train. I think you bought the peak there. Um he went from eight dollars and forty seven cents to seven dollars and eighty seven cents. So just for the sake of this exercise, let's say you bought ten shares. Yeah. In three weeks, you've lost about seven dollars and fifty cents nothing nothing crazy decent investment but you missed here's the rough one though uh three weeks ago to the hour you said sandy alcantara at sixteen dollars and 97 cents was an unbelievable price you said you're you said you're buying the dip and this is a quote actually i'm pulling from from that episode this is episode 80 um pulling no yeah episode 80 i'm pulling a quote from this one actually quote I'm going to buy as many as I can at that price. End of quote. Uh, yeah, since then, we've seen a $1.20 dip in Sandy Alcantara. So let's just say again, for the sake of the exercise. Not a lot. Let's just say again, for the sake of the exercise, as many as you can. Let's say you bought 1,000 shares of Sandy Alcantara. Uh, in three weeks, Jet, that investment would have lost you about $1,200. Uh, I'm not too sure. Not too sure how you're feeling about that, or if you have a statement on the matter. Yeah, I'm. I would. I would put that money right back into him, even if I would really. Want, yeah, I would put it right back. I mean, you look at you look at all the advanced metrics. This guy is going to be just fine. Um, I get it. You know, it, when you have a Scion type season like he did last year, people only expect that from you going forward. Uh, but we know how talented of a pitcher Sandy is. Obviously, hasn't fared well since that time when I bought his stock at a pretty, pretty high price, but signs point to him getting back to where he has been all, 
all throughout his career. Uh, there's still some things to kind of iron out, but I think as hitters have seen him more frequently, that's just something that he's going to have to make adjustments to, like all good players do. I'm not too worried. Still the ace of the Marlins and one of the best pitchers in the league. Oh, well, hold that thought, Jet. Sandy Alcantara has gone down 20 cents since I took this data down. Uh, you've actually lost about $1,400 in three weeks, just so we're back on the same page. Uh, and this is a guy that in the offseason was worth $19.50, so he's down 4 bucks. So if you had bought 10 shares in the offseason, you'd already be out 40 on Sandy Alcantara. I mean, I would buy again. Last, again. I would buy right now. I would. Last one, Jet. Three weeks ago, you said – that the Tampa Bay Rays would win less than 92 and a half games. That was a line set by Vegas Sportsbook. The line now by Vegas Sportsbook is 89.5. They've gone down three wins, even though they're a 24 and 16. Uh, so the question to you is, are you happy with your, your choice three weeks ago to say under 92 and a half wins, even though currently the Tampa Bay Rays three weeks later are on pace for a 130 and 32 season? Yeah, that pace is unbelievable. I said in the beginning, like before that, before I even made that decision, I said the Rays were going to be a 92 win team. Um, I, I still believe I don't I don't know if I'll definitely write on the money there, but that that's where I, I think they're between if I had to give like a worst to best case scenario, I think they're between 90 and 96. 90 and 96 wins would be my range. I'm, I'm going with a little bit on the lower side with 92, but I think the Rays are still a 90 win team. Um, to keep up this pace with a lot of good teams on the way, they're going to play well. It's just going to be hard to keep up this pace. Yeah, I agree, obviously. My thing is, I think 89 and a half is low, though. Yeah, I, I don't know I why think, it's so low. I think to go, I mean, because it was 10 and 0 when we last talked. They were 10 yeah. and 0. Um, obviously, since gone 14 and 6. I don't know why, what caused them to lose three. Inju- three I don't know. Wins they, they, they haven't had like significant injuries, but they have obviously Taj Bradley oh, sent down, well, Jeffrey Springs. Um, yeah, he got Tommy John. That's a big, that's the biggest one, Jeffrey Springs. Yeah. I mean, other Losing than that, they, they, they remain pretty healthy. That's, that's odd. I still think they get over 89 and a half. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I do as well. I don't, I don't see an 88 win season from this team starting 24 and six. No. Um, especially because they're well coached, and that's a lot of times the team starts hot, but the coach is shit, so it doesn't matter. Right. Like the Mets, um, but the Rays have a good coach, so I think they're going to be fine. So I'm going to give you one more chance to. Well, you forgot one other one that I bought at a very, very low price at the time, and it is only it has only grown since then. Do you want to tell yeah. which one that is? The 258 Sports Cast. Yeah, I've been I've been doing pretty well, I think. On that, no, that's that's a that's a big investment. It's a huge yeah. investment. Yeah. Uh, if you've gained a dollar per follower, you've gained about. I think we're. I think you've gained about what, six hundred followers. Yeah. Time, yeah. Wow. I think good it. for you, Jeff. Makes up some big money I lost. Six hundred bucks. Boom. Right back into it. You're down. You're still down, on that big sandy investment. But it, it, it happens. I'm gonna give you some time. I'm gonna give you one to redeem yourself here. Okay. So I'm gonna let. I'm gonna give you a buy or sell. One player. If you hit it, you hit it. If you don't. I'm not going to to you for investment advice ever. Okay. No one Arenado coming off of a MVP, a season where he got MVP votes uh, and ended up losing to his teammate, Paul Goldschmidt, coming off of a season like that. His dollar amount price in the offseason was $9.50. Obviously off to a super slow start here. He's 32 years old now. 
His price, though, is $6.46, about a $3, about a $3 price drop in just about a month and a half of baseball. Now, Jed, are you buying or selling Nolan Arenado at the age of 32? I'm buying this him. His first, I, this is his first no season in St. Louis, mind you. I Yeah, I, I am buying, I think, for someone that's at the lowest point, not only of this season, but I think in several years, I get the age is obviously a factor, but I believe he'll, he will get back up to that $9 price by, by the end of the year, and possibly even more than that. Um Obviously, you mentioned this is a guy that hit you know 30 home runs a year ago, was at the top of you know the MVP race for quite some time as well. It's just one of those one of those months that he had in, in the month of April. He had one of these months last year. I think every player goes through these types of stretches. Obviously, this is a little bit on the extreme end, but you know, Nolan Arnado is a fantastic player. He could be dealing with an injury, but I think he will be just fine the rest of the way. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna place a max buy on that there. I think I might actually have to tap in and, and buy a few shares at that price. I can't lie to you. Uh yeah, that looks low for for a player of his yeah, caliber. Yeah. But that concludes by sell segment. Awesome. I yeah, I, I'll look in my notes to make sure I didn't miss that because I wasn't on my my uh my uh my show my <laughs> well, show. Hold that man accountable. So yeah, yeah, no, no worries, man. Um, final segment. We'll continue the MLB talk while we're here. We're officially through the month of April. Uh, just got announced that Ronald Acuna Jr., NL Player of the Month, Matt Chapman, the AL Player of the Month. Obviously, Luis Arias got snubbed for the NL Player of the Month with the you know the the best batting average in in the league by by quite a margin. But nonetheless, um, still both of those players are well deserving. Of those awards, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the most surprising teams, disappointing teams, players, and so on. Tommy, do you want to start off with the teams or players portion of this segment? Let's start out with the players. Okay, who's your most surprising player so far in in, in April? Don't include the, don't su- include the last few days of March, just April. Really? Yeah. I might have to change some of my stats here then. <laughs> Uh, but no, my most surprising player so far has been Jared Kelenic. This is a guy that really took a long time to break onto the scene. Uh, by Jets head shaking, I think we may have picked the same player here. Is that what we're running into? Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I'll add some things after you talk about him. Okay, yeah. So for me, it's kind of like this guy. This guy took a few years. He took a few years. He was a big prospect in the Mets organization. The Mets sent him over to the Mariners at this point. What was it? Three years ago? Three yeah, and a half in the, years in the ago? Edwin Diaz Robinson Cano deal. Right. Edwin Diaz Robinson Cano. Jared Kellenick was a part of it because, like I said, huge prospect, highly touted out of the minor leagues. He came up, and, you know, here we are, 2023, start of the season. This guy's a career 185 hitter. A lot of people are saying, you know, what's wrong? Is this guy just, is he just a bust? Did he just not pan out? And now all of a sudden, boom, 337 bombs a ton of RBIs to start out the year and Jared Kalanick has, has definitely surpassed expectations to start the season. And for a Mariners team that, that kind of blew up last year with Julio Rodriguez and Ty France had some good games. Now to add Jared Kalanick to this, I think this could be a very good team in the Seattle Mariners. So, so Kalanick gets the nod there. Yeah. I'm, I'm 
with you on that. That's my that's my pick. I think there's a bunch of other names that you can mention, but for me, this is the most surprising just because he's been at this point for the past couple of years and was never able to get things going. He had great spring trainings like he did this year as well, but he was never able to transfer that over into the regular season. Uh, some some advanced stats for you for you for you nerds out there, uh, like myself, I, I am one too. Uh, hard hit percentage, ninety six percentile. Uh, expected batting average, 88th percentile. Max exit velocity, 84th percentile. Hitting uh, 309, seven home runs, 15 RBIs. Clearly has figured it out and clearly going to be a big part. This is why I don't give up on guys with this type of prospect pedigree. If they're able to figure out, you know, the the payoff. We talked about. Like uh, Tim Beckham. Yeah, well, yeah, excited. Don't give up on him. We talked about <laughs> stock prices. I don't know what Jared Kalenix would have been before this year. But someone like him, his price has probably grown exponentially and forever out there who bought that stock early on before the season in spring training, clearly um, reaping the benefits right now. And then hopefully this continues because he is a very, very good player. Yeah. So here's what we're looking at for Jared Kellenick. Start of the season, $2 and 16 cents jet. Yeah. And we're looking at $3 and 78 cents now. Okay a 67% growth since the beginning of the season, but 378, that's still very affordable. You know, Yeah. if he's, if he stays hitting 300 and he keeps hitting seven homers a month, that stock price ain't going to be at $4. <laughs> that's this, might, true. this might be a, might be another guy to tap into if you do, uh, do dabble. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to keep my eye on it. I'm not going to make any investments, you know, emotional investments. I got to look at it in a little bit more detail, but um, I'll start off with the most disappointing player so we don't pick the same one because I, I feel like it's definitely a possibility. Uh, Juan Soto is my most disappointing player so far. Um, we talked about him on the show in, in one of the previous episodes. It's a guy that just has not figured it out in a new uniform with the San Diego Padres. Has played a little bit better. Kind of got helped out by playing in Mexico City with the, the elevation and, and altitude. He was able to have some success there. But but since I mean nonetheless with that hitting 222, 382 OBP, 417 slugging, um his expected batting average is only 240 and is hitting 222 right now. So it doesn't look like there's gonna be much improvement from where he's at right now, but he's still hitting the ball hard. 97% hard hit rate, 93% max exit below. We know what he's capable of. I think over time, I mean, he's only 24 years old. And the guy hasn't even fit, fit entered into his baseball prime yet. Um, the sky's still the limit for him, and I think he'll be just fine. But for now, April was an extremely disappointing month for him. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that pick. For me, I am going the route of 36-year-old Jose Abreu of the Houston Astros. Um, very, very slow start to the season. You know, first glance, you look at, okay, he's hitting 232, 13 RBIs. That does not tell the whole story, Jet, because this guy has an OPS of 531 to start the year, even though he's hitting 232. I mean, that that screams empty at-bats to me, empty base hits. And, you know, all it takes is just a little bit of a scroll down the page, and you see this guy has uh, 29 hits and 33 total bases. Just, just terrible. I mean, 29 singles – or no, so it's uh, 25 singles, four doubles – and that's all she wrote for Jose Abreu this year through 125 at-bats. Super, super slow. 
adding basically no value to this team because when you also throw in the fact that he's got five walks to 27 strikeouts to start the year, um, you know, there, there's there's not a whole lot that you can do to sugarcoat this. He's been really, really bad to start the year. 36 years old, free agent, just got paid. Maybe he's done. Maybe he doesn't care anymore. But but I don't I don't I don't see this continuing. But I don't see it getting much better. Really, I think this is a sign of things to come for Jose Abreu. Um, and he, and he may, he's part of the reason the Astros have started out slower than expected too. Yeah, I mean, it definitely looked like he was on the downward trajectory in terms of his power numbers at the end of last year. Um, you know, some guys just hit that hit that point in their careers where they're just not the same player that they the once wall. were. Yeah, exactly. And it looks like Jose Bray may be approaching that. Let's stick on the, the negative note here with our teams. I'll let you go first. Who's your most disappointing team so far in April? In April, not so far this year. Don't include May. Don't include March. Just April. For me, this is really easy. It's the St. Louis Cardinals. 10 wins to 20 losses. A team that, you know, just got bounced early uh, in the wild card round of last season's playoffs. You know, and they come back. Okay, Goldschmidt, Arenado. We got guys, Nolan Gorman. We got a bunch of guys, Tyler O'Neill, a bunch of guys that, that came onto the scene last year to go along with our veterans. We got starting pitching. We got this. We got that. We got the other thing. We got Jordan Hicks. He throws a thousand miles an hour. Yet we're ten and twenty. To me, that is easily the most disappointing start. Two and eight in their last ten. Losers of four straight. The list goes on and on. This team just has not met expectations so far. Yeah, they're they're definitely a disappointing team. But for me, uh, my expectations were a little bit lower. I did have them still making the playoffs, but not winning the division. Uh, the team that did I you think- have them. Did you have them last in the National League? No, no, I didn't. But to me, that's crazy. In terms of expectations, there's another team that has far um, missed the mark and hit below my expectations. I thought they were going to be a 90-plus team. Just not look like it's heading down that track. The Seattle Mariners have not played well up to this point. When Jared Kalanick, who we just talked about, is your best hitter, and as well as has been playing, he is not the only – like, more guys need to step up. Julio Rodriguez yeah. having a rough second year, which could be expected, um, to hitting 239. Still has five home runs and six stolen bases. But besides him and Jared Kalonick, everyone else, there's not another guy on this team that's hitting above 239. Cal Raleigh, 227. J.P. Crawford, 230. Teoscar Hernandez, 202. Um, and then on top of that, with the pitching side of things, Robbie Ray went down. Luis Castillo is really holding this rotation afloat. They're getting some help. They're getting some young guys that are helping out this team that Bryce Miller just got called up. George Kirby has been good. Um, the Mariners have some questions. I think they're going to need to get more better play from some some guys around the team. But at this point in time, they have been extremely disappointing. Okay, oh. Jet. Yeah, I'll, I'll kick us off because I think we will probably have the same team for the most surprising team. And I tried to find I'll another way to – and maybe not. I tried to find a way to maybe include someone else. But I think the no-brainer answer for me here is the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, you talked about no one expected the St. Louis Cardinals to be last in their division or last in the National League. No one expected the Pittsburgh Pirates – to be first in their division at this point in the season. They are on a they, they are off to a great start. Uh 20 and 10, 
one and a half games above ahead of the Brewers at this point in the year. They're getting breakout performances from Connor Joe, Jack Sawinski. Um, a couple of the old guys are stepping up as well. Andrew McCutcheon in his return to Pittsburgh. Carlos Santana. There's just everything's going right, especially on the offensive side of the ball for the Pirates, and they're getting some quality innings from their pitchers as well. Mitch Keller, R- Ronsny Contreras, Vince, Vince Velasquez. I'm sure you're happy to hear that name. Johan Oviedo as well. Um, Pittsburgh Pirates, we'll see how long this is. This will last. They have a 30.5% chance now to make the playoffs after it being around 2.5 at the start of the season. Long way to go. Uh, they're on They're on an over 95-game pace or over 100-game pace in terms of wins. Um, but, yeah, Pittsburgh Pirates, most surprising team for me. Yeah, it's pretty much a no-brainer. I mean, you have 10-game lead on what's probably going to be your biggest threat to the division race. I don't know if the Pirates will even be in the mix by that time, but, you know, this is a current take on on the most surprising team, and it's very clearly the Pittsburgh Pirates. Seventh in hitting, seventh in pitching, second in Major League Baseball. Pretty simple formula. You got both sides covered. You're going to be a good team. Um, you know, it's not like the Pirates are like 24th in pitching, but every team they play makes four errors. You know, they're doing things right. They're playing the game correctly. They're hitting the ball well. They're throwing the ball well. They're fielding the ball relatively well. And the Pirates, easily the most surprising team, not just this year, in a very long time, just at least 30 games through a season. Are they a 91 team? No. <laughs> no. It's what a, are they? What are they? How, many wins? How many wins? Or right, give it right. I, mean, I have, I have, I have not watched. I'm going to be honest. I have not watched a minute of Pittsburgh Pirates baseball all season long. I've seen a better team in Pennsylvania though. So far, yeah. I mean, they're better than everyone except the Rays so far. But yeah, I mean, good for them. Good for the Pirates. I think they're. Uh, I mean, I would cap their wins at like 75. Honestly, I don't think. Yeah, I think this, I, this is going to turn into a very, very, very miserable stretch of baseball at the end of the year. That's the thing. They're getting a lot of unsustainable play from a lot of guys that have not performed up to this point in their career. Um, It's it's nice while it lasts. I think for them, though, it does expedite their rebuild, which is is great. I mean, to be ahead of a rebuild is is fantastic. Um, I think we'll be hearing from them several years down the line. Um, but yeah, it's it's a long year. Brewers are it's been a long time since the Pittsburgh Pirates have been good. Though. Yeah, it has. It's it's long nice time. to see. It's nice to see things change up. It's nice to see someone from Pennsylvania representing. Um, I would have felt bad if like the World Series saw, or something. You know, uh, like the but, World Series or something. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's an afterthought at this point. We're on to 2023 at this point. If they don't get back, I mean, if you don't win, what's the point, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know how to end this show because we did our our OTD segment, so. <laughs> oh, wait, OTD. Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you how to end it, Jet. We just informed the world about Jalen Hyatt, right? Mm-hmm. We just entertained the world about sports. Yeah. What, what specifically, though? That's it, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I'm in, I've been entertained this past you know. Yeah, did I say hour. something that made you laugh? You did. What was that? I don't remember. <laughs> no, you just made me laugh. I'm entertained. You know, if I'm in, I'm tough to entertain. A lot, a lot of people. Yeah. 
are easily more easily entertained than I am. No but, doubt about it. Yeah. No doubt about it. <laughs> and uh, let's let's go ahead and inspire real quick. Oh, I'll leave that up to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, apparently the reviews are pretty good on my little Jimmy Butler inspiration story that that was pretty oh. well received. Um, <laughs> No, based on, but but no, let's let's continue the theme with with Jared Kalanick here. Um, any any minor leaguers out there that are potentially listening to this episode? Because I know we do have a, a brief segment of our fan base that are current minor league baseball players who listen to the, ep- the episodes on their bus rides from from stadium to stadium. Um, if you are a former, whether it's top five, top ten, even top thirty prospect in a big league system, and just things are not going your way. Go look up Jared Kalalnik. Go look him up on video. Go up. Go look at his swing. Go look at his defense. Go look at anything about him. Read a story about him. Find find something interesting about him that can resonate with you and inspire you to take that next step because your career is not over. It's only the beginning. Tomorrow. Let me go tomorrow. take. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let me let me, let me take. Let me take the inspiration. Okay. Let me take the inspiration to a new level here, Jet. Yeah. You know, right. if you if you've ever been a prospect of any sorts, mm. yeah. just see if you can go get in the building with Philly, man. See what Kevin Long can do. See if he can work his wonders for you. You know, turning Brandon Marsh from a career 200 hitter to top five in OPS in baseball. You know, Alec Bohm, long lanky kid, he turned him into a 300 hitter. Bryson Stott, bum, turned him into a 300 hitter. You know. It, it's a it's a simple fix. Go play for Philly. Get better. I hope you're inspired. Forty five percent of our listeners are minor league baseball players. So. Well, it was it's forty three and a half, but yeah. Couple stop listening. Yeah, Fuck. I think it was the one from the I want to say the Blue Jays single A team. There's someone on. It just wasn't a, he was never inspired. That was the thing. But maybe yeah. maybe. Uh, his career's rotting away. Fuck you, yeah. kid. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to the 25-8 Sportscast, episode 83. I'm Tommy, that's Jet, and that was the 25-8 Sportscast.